back with another episode of the anarchist experience episode 380 coming at you this week aka year eight week 25 uh, as always i am your host mr richie rich along with mc and since this is your regularly scheduled clubhouse broadcast uh, you can find us on the clubhouse i don't know this are people still using do you still use clubhouse for anything else like I never really uh, got into it. Okay. Uh, well, there was some people that that I, I was interested in hearing from, but those people are, I think, moved back to a more controlled environments like YouTube and stuff. So okay. um, it was it was like a neat idea right when it came out, but it I think it plays more into um, I don't know a certain type of person that that is doing it for the popularity just like i mean same thing as twitter you know it's like if if you have a following you want to grow that following and um and that's what it's about um and i don't know i'm not interested in most of those people so okay. <laughs> it's like uh i don't know I, I i think i don't know i think most of the groups are uh besides the bitcoin groups i think they're more more leftist and uh, not interesting to me. Okay, fair enough. Well, it still suits our purposes because it's still a way to broadcast this show live and you know get engagement if people want to engage. So we're still yeah. going to do it for the foreseeable future. So find us on Clubhouse. Uh, the club is the Anarchist Experience, or you can at me at Riches for Rich R I C H E S the number four R I C H, uh, and then you get the little notification um, when I hit the record button or open the room up on Clubhouse. That being said. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what uh, new technology comes up next. We've tried a handful, right? Uh, what, what did we start with? Like on mixer or Mixler or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and to be fair, right. There's a reason why this show is about an hour long and it's because that was the free tier on Mixler, right? It's like, all right, we got to fucking fit it in an hour. Cause that's all we got, you know? So <laughs> with, with new technology comes the new benefits and whatever, and we'll see what else crops up next for, for now clubhouse it is uh so what is going on with you this week mc mm, nothing <laughs> it's a slow news week and i'm happy <laughs> it is yeah it's it's a slow news week um not much as far as like the world news uh joe biden fifth fist bumps the saudi prince uh was it mohammed bin salam MB- i had to look that up i'm like what the fuck is everybody talking about mbs for like what kind of <laughs> I don't. I don't yeah. get it. I don't care. Don't get it either. <laughs> Visits Israel. That was a big one. Like this morning, it's like okay, Biden leaves Israel, and then Israel bombs Palestine. Like okay, perfect. That's that's about right. Um, but yeah, slow news. Slow news week. So much so that I've only got eight eight headlines for us to to blow through today. So you want to just? Shall we just jump right into the headlines? It's rare sure. that we do that, but we can do that. Yeah, let's do it. All right, headline. Uh, innocent family's home burned. 15-year-old boy dead after SWAT set their home on fire with flashbangs. Oh, bugger. Hold on. Skipping one. Uh, headline, a California law regulating rideshare apps leave truckers in limbo. Uh, headline, the left and right are living in different realities. Uh, headline, five negative consequences of price ceilings. Headline, French... Str- oh, this is great. Fucking, fucking Fuck. French streetlights will be turned off at night in response to energy crisis. Uh, headline, we need more inequality, not less. And finally, headline, Trump voters favor secession for their states. Uh, and there's, there's one headline uh, that apparently wasn't paywalled when I read it and now is hiding behind a paywall. So I don't even... <laughs> Confidence in the U.S. media, government, and justice system collapsing. Uh, and if I have time during the discussion to like unpaywall that thing i will give it a shot otherwise right on. uh any of the other ones jump out at you um 
I, I agree with the one that says the left and the right are living in different realities. Um, I, I would have to add the, the extreme left. I think that there's a bunch of left-leaning people that just uh, assume some some of the things are, are basically true, but they don't really care about the uh, all the craziness. So it's it's kind of weird. Um, yes, a lot of people, you know, the the people in the middle that pick a side. Uh, you know that lean one way or the other it's it's more because of what they what they uh what they don't like so they they say they're leftist because they they view the right as a certain way and the people on the right say they're right because they view the left a certain in negative way so right. and it's, more, it's more about what they hate than what they love there's a meme floating around that basically you know how the left has pushed more people to the right yeah, and it's you know uh, the the general illustration is that there's the dude in the middle, as you said, is like, well, I kind of agree with both of you on one thing, and then the guy on the left, the extreme on the left, goes like, why are you siding with him, right? And then it just pushes him that way, like, no, come over here, we can <laughs> we we can have a civil discussion about this, yeah. And then you know, the the left gets more extreme, and the the white, I guess, gets more moderate or those people get radicalized in some form or fashion. Yeah. And the other thing that I think Tim Pohl pointed out is, and I think Jordan Pearson too, but, um, the, the, the right is willing to have a discussion with people and then the left is just not, they just, they, they'd rather just demonize people and, and say they're, uh, unable to talk to them. But that, that has consequences all the way up to even in the military, you know, like, like, oh, uh, uh, Putin is evil. We, we can't talk to him now. It's like, well, you know, maybe talking would be better than uh, alternatives, you know, <laughs> like what we're facing right now in Ukraine. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really bizarre thing that, you know, that I associate with the current version of leftism. That was the interesting thing about Trump in office, right? Is he's like, mm-hmm. no, nah, we're just we're gonna go talk to him, see what yeah. they have to say, and people flipped out, like, no, you can't talk to that guy. No. <laughs> yeah, like we we have he has to be our but, enemy forever. But that's that's what it's about. It's about declaring who your enemies are and then just you know being nuts about it, <laughs> right? As far as I am, I'm concerned. You know, um, yeah. I don't know. All right, so let's get into that article. Uh, the the headline I was able to get the Wayback Machine up and running, so I got you know what I believe to be the article for the confidence in media, confidence in U.S. media, government, and justice system collapsing according to some poll. But we'll do this one first. Uh, Democrats, uh, the left and the right, are living in different realities. The way Washington spending grows in libertarian mythos goes like this: Republicans want to spend money on X, but not Y. And Democrats want to spend money on Y, but not X. So they reach a grand bipartisan compromise to spend money on both X and Y in ascending quantities forever. It's simplistic, as myths are wont to be, but it tells some truth. Recently, I've been thinking about how divergent Americans' risk assessment appeared to be, how we seem to have increasingly different ideas of what endangers us and our way of life, and that little spending parable keeps coming to mind. If we can't agree on what risks our government needs to address, if we operate from wildly varying ideas of reality and the dangers it contains, is this the sort of compromise we'll make, agreeing to overregulate everything to address everyone's often irrational fears? Gun violence is an obvious point of divergence right now. In recent weeks, especially after the horrific mass shooting in Illinois on the 4th of July, A number of writers I follow have said they regularly fear becoming a victim of a mass shooter when they go to large public events and expect to retain this sense of panic indefinitely. One spoke of experiencing a background fear every time I'm out in any kind of crowd, also knowingly it will probably never go away. Another, Joel Mathis, worried that these shootings will exacerbate our national epidemic of loneliness because the result of mass shootings is going to be that people, many of us anyway, are going to do everything they can to reduce the chances of becoming a target. I'd be pretty jumpy if I heard what sounded like gunfire at a concert, but this worry they share with, as Mathis noted, a full third of American adults has literally never crossed my mind. I know being shot in public is a possibility, I suppose, but so are all sorts of terrible and objectively uncommon things which don't influence my decisions day to day. 
I'm not even a gun enthusiast, but our risk assessments, assessments here are very far apart. Or what about kidnapping? The desire to protect children from being groomed, molested, abducted, and so on is presently an animating force for much of the American right. An acquaintance recently told me that her fear that her 12-year-old son, who looks like a full-grown man, will be kidnapped by a stranger if she drops him off at the mall with friends. She spent her own adolescence safely wandering the mall, but she can't shake that worry. And 25% of Americans likewise report being afraid or very afraid of kidnapping. Like mass shooting deaths, stranger abductions are awful and are extremely rare. They're the kind of edge case which rightly provoke powerful emotions, but also ill-considered legislative responses, which can do more harm than good. And that's bad in its own right, stifling ordinary life to prevent something already very unlikely to occur. But it's even more difficult to live with if it is based on a risk assessment you don't share. And living in a society as historically wealthy and complex as ours creates endless possibilities for risk assessments to differ. The pace of change in modern life brings new risks to consider, which is more difficult than simply inheriting familiar wisdom, and our fragmented media consumption means those decisions are informed by different, even competing informational feeds. This is how we end up with large blocks of the public demanding government protection from something other than other large blocks. Frequently with the data to prove it, don't see a significant uh, don't see as a significant threat at all. Recent history suggests two models for having the state address such unshared fears. The COVID-19 pandemic instantly comes to mind. Yes, the past two and a half years have seen many overreaches and hypocrisies, bad judgment calls and noble lies, and an abundance of bureaucratic foot dragging. The transit mask mandate lasted beyond all reason. School policies in much of the country were a counterfactual debacle. There's much to critique, but as flawed as pandemic policies have been, they've generally, if often belatedly, and with plenty of regional variation, responded to changing conditions and new information. It's too soon to say with confidence, but for now, it looks like irrational risk assessments have not won the day, set the policy agenda in the long term. Contrast that with how we've responded to the risk of terrorism. You can fly on a plane without a mask now, but you still have to take off your shoes, unpack your laptop, go through the body scanner, and maybe get groped by the TSA. A declassified report this spring revealed that the CIA has for years been doing mass surveillance on Americans without warrant or oversight in the name of fighting terrorism. Just last year, the Supreme Court declined to consider a case that could have brought some transparency to the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, the government's secretive rubber stamp for spying requests, and we spent two decades on costly, counterproductive, and inhumane war and nation-building projects across the Middle East and North Africa, and still maintain a significant anti-terror military presence in those regions. Your risk of dying from terrorism in the U.S., by the way, is around 1 in 300 million each year, while the risk of death from COVID differ wildly, but are certainly higher than 1 in 30 million. Policy will never neatly track with demonstrable risk, but are we doomed to live under the thumb of an ever-growing, excessively risk-averse state? Americans left and right are rational about some risk and irrational about others, and maybe the risk of broad and overcautious risk policies is one we should take more seriously End of the article. Um, you've already left your comment uh, before we started, so anything in the article that, that jumped out at you is important to discuss further? Um, not not really. Um, it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. So. Yeah. <laughs> Can't win them all, man. <laughs> yeah. I know that the it's some things are funny on the Internet when it comes to, like, the divide between the left and the right. Um. I can't remember if it was this week or last week because, you know, time kind of meshes together. But it was, again, some meme that someone posted online. And it might have been last week because it was, like, you know, following the, the whole, like, Roe versus Wade and the, the meltdown of the left, you know, kind of a thing. And it was, like, some leftist tweet or something from some chick. And it, I'm trying to figure out, like, how she worded it exactly. But she said, like, you know, it's it's time to, like, not just have sex with anyone, um, but to find to find a man who's capable of like you know being there for you and raising a family and like you know treating his kids right or something to that effect, right? And the comment on it was uh, the left has just rediscovered traditional marriage. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's funny, right? Like they you know every everything that's old is new again. 
kind of a thing, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. they, you know, there was, there was another one unrelated to the left and the right, but it was like, you know what would really make Facebook amazing? If they let you, like, play your own music on your page, you know? That way your <laughs> friends could come to your page and they could hear, like, your favorite song. And the yeah. comment on that one was, wow, like, you know, th- this generation, we finally reached the generation that doesn't remember MySpace. Yeah. Right? Like, we've had these things. We've, we've had these things, and, you know, it's not, and it's not even a nostalgia thing because it's, you know, it's yeah. well, how, how many people, people discovering go, it. Go to other people's pages and look at their, their posts, though. Well, it used basically, to be a basically, thing. Basically, I look at my feed, and I'll see other stuff that, you know, my friends post. But I usually don't go to their, their, their page and then scroll down and see all the stuff they're posting. I mean, it depends on who the person is. If I'm trying to get to know the person then I'll I'll look and see what's on their on their page but other than that I, it's you know nobody does that so nobody would go to somebody's page and look, well maybe that would be a good reason to go to somebody's page if they had music on there but <laughs> well okay and I I would I would posit that that is a product of the Facebook system yeah uh, yeah exactly right because it works very effectively <laughs> it does it does it does when the algorithm um, you know, prioritizes your own newsfeed. Mm-hmm. But when I do, when I do show prep um, for, you know, this show and also free talk live, I use uh, an RSS reader, right? Which also aggregates my newsfeed, which was, you know, an amazing technology at the time. But prior to that, right? Prior to, you know, the, the syndicate, the, the uh, syndication of these things, you have to go elsewhere, right? If you want, if you wanted to, you know, if you wanted to see the news articles from, you know, CNN or whatever, you had to go to CNN's site, you know. If you had a favorite blogger, right? You had you had to go to their blog, you know, and see if anything new was posted. Um, I remember at one point, like this is, you know, I don't, I I have zero nerd cred because I'm not a nerd, um, but at one point I had a. Um, like a table set, you know, like of my bookmarks. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what I had, I, you know, saved it as like an HTML page or whatever. And I had that set as the homepage on my browser. Mm-hmm. Right. So when I, when I would open up a new browser, I had like all the places I needed to visit during this session, you know, laid out in order, um, you know, pre tabs. Like when tabs came along, I could just, you know, click on it and open it up in the new tabs. But that was like the homepage. So if I wanted to get back to the bookmarks, you know, boom, homepage, boom, where it was. And I had all, you know, the liberty-minded sites on there because I would go out. I would have to seek out that information. Uh, I didn't spend a lot of time on MySpace, but, you know, I've, I've watched friends and family members. And, yeah, you, if you wanted to check in on your friends, right, you had to go to their page and see what they posted. It, it didn't magically appear in your newsfeed. And so you would click through your friends and you see what, hey, what is, you know, Steve doing or Bob or Phil or whoever. And then when you got there, it would play some fucking music. <laughs> and then Facebook came along and went, nope, you know. I played a lot of games on Facebook when it first came out. Like, that's the only use case I could see for it until I started subscribing to all of these other media outlets like, you know, the Mises Institute and Reason, et cetera. And then that was my news feed. I'm like, okay. They've posted all new articles, and now it's in my newsfeed, and I don't have to seek it out. I can just, as you said, MC, just scroll through the newsfeed. But it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where the less personalized it gets, right, the more likely we are to develop our own personal pages, right? Like, you know, register your own domain and, and draw people there away from those other social media sites like Facebook. Mm-hmm. Right, and then they'll have to, you know, they'll have to come to you or whatever. But it's just, it's just, you know, to to get back to the point, it's just rediscovering old things, right? And how quickly people forget it. Whether it's uh, music on your homepage, right, so your friends can hear what kind of music you're listening to, um, or a traditional marriage, you know, and and old timey mating rituals of some kind. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. But the fact, you know, that you know. The fact that the the right seems to have always, at least in words, right, placed value on traditional relationships, 
and you know the the left has gone a more for lack of a better term libertine route <clears throat> right there's a there's a i'm going to call him a prominent activist here locally who's you know front lines kind of guy he's you know part of one of the people that got arrested for protesting outside the governor's house or whatever but leans conservative right and so Porkfest ended a couple of weeks ago, and apparently he did not have a good time at Porkfest. Um, d- despite claims from more left-leaning activists, or at least a left-leaning activist here, uh, that Porkfest and you know the Free State Project or whatever has been co-opted uh, by the alt-right and racist and so <laughs> on, uh, this, per- this particular right-leaning, I'm not going to call him alt-right, but conservative-leaning uh, activist, did not quite enjoy his time at Porkfest um, because apparently there was some nudity that spread Uh-oh. beyond the nude section at Uh-oh. Porkfest. There's a, nu- a nude section? No, there's not a nude section. There's like oh. the area where the nude people were supposed to be hanging out. Um, oh. And then they just like, you know, dick waggled throughout the entire campground and with children oh. present and whatever. Well, and so, that's terrible. Well, okay. That's a judgment <laughs> call, Right. And, and so you might be friends with this more leaning conservative leaning dude uh, because he went on like a diatribe uh, on social media, on Facebook, basically claiming that, you know, um, nudity and libertinism and whatever is not how you would get more freedom. Like this is, this is not the kind of people we should be attracting. Uh, he posted something, you know, a, a couple of days ago. It's like, you know, um, uh, it was like butt sex in the you know butt sex in the park for liberty. Like if you you know join the FSP if that's your thing. And I was like, man, if this if that was the marketing pitch, I probably would have been here like way sooner than 2018. <laughs> if only I had known, you know, that that what was going on. I thought it was just like protesting outside the Capitol. I didn't know there was fucking butt sex in the park. But he was you know he was very upset about it and there's you know some claims of some censorship like he posted his his complaints in a in a free state project telegram group or whatever and it was quickly erased by the moderators who don't want to you know who try to hide this type of thing right much like the you know much like some of their counterparts uh they don't want people to know what the the grooming and whatever is going on in those <laughs> in those arenas with the dick wangling in front of the children type of thing but again, different realities, right? Like same event, same event for same event, and two individuals. I'm gonna say individuals. Two individuals, one left leaning, right, views the event as a an alt right racist gathering, right, because she doesn't like a handful of people that are there, and someone a conservative goes to the same event that's supposed to be like alt right, you know, racist gathering. And sees leftist libertinism and nudity and, you know, anything but uh, freedom and liberty and, you know, for all. Uh, because they live, they live in different realities, right? They, they focus so much, as you said, MC, on the negatives that keep people apart, right? That they, they, they miss the overall larger liberty aspect of everything. If you, you know, if, if you don't want to see the nudity, like avert your eyes, right? Put, stay in your tent kind of a thing. Or, or just don't go to the pork fest. You know, it's like, <laughs> and I don't. Well, that's the thing. I don't think he, there has been there has been debauchery at pork fest for years. Uh, so I don't. I don't know what he expected. Um, maybe maybe it got more out of hand this particular year. Whereas you know they they didn't stay in the area at one point in time. Again, I I read it afterwards because I've only been to one and I didn't stay all week, so I don't have all that grand experience. Um, and my general experience wasn't all that great when I did go, so I'm probably not going to go back anytime soon, uh, unless you come and visit, MC. If you come and visit, totally, I'll totally go with you. Uh, but at one point, there was like the family corner, right? Like family activities where the kids can be safe away from this debauchery, and like that was the thing. So like the family-oriented people knew that the grander aspect of things was going to be more you know, of the nonsense, Right, and they were keeping a close knit eye on the family side of things, and at some point, you know, as since it's been around for like eleven years or whatever, um, as the event grew and the people who you know were participating in in the debauchery and whatnot early on grew up and started having families and kept coming back, 
right? It just morphed into more of a family gathering where the, the more libertine aspects of it were marginalized, I guess. You know? mm-hmm. But I, again, I remember, you know, like the early days was like, okay, everyone's carrying around, you know, everyone's open carrying a rifle or a sword or whatever. And there's, you know, drugs and drinking and fires and dance parties. And I remember early on, like my, my goal or dream, or whatever you want to call it, was to show up to Porkfest and get, you know, my unlicensed, outdoor, unsanitized, well, I mean, un- unclean, I guess, for lack of a better term, like fucking Porkfest prison tattoo, right? Like just out in the air, someone's got a tent, doing tattoos, and I'm like, I want one of those, you know? Rather than the nice sterile environment of a tattoo shop with their permission slip from the state hanging up on the wall kind of a thing. And when I finally got there, they're like, oh, yeah, no one's been doing, no one's done that in years. It's like, that's not even a thing anymore. Like, it's, it's so much more family friendly now that people just don't, there's no tattoo artists in, in doing, offering the services. I'm like, oh, that's fucking unfortunate. Late to the party, I guess. Um, but, yeah, just a whole, whole different, you know, whole different reality, as the article suggested, between the left and the right. And... Mm-hmm. Right, not exclusively amongst Republicans and Democrats, because as I just noted, split down the middle uh, between left and right libertarians as well. You know what? What brings you closer to liberty? Protesting outside the Capitol or acting like you're free already? Who knows? Do them both. And I've always been a fan yeah. of doing both. Yeah. Well, f- for me, it's like I'm. I guess I'm more uh, conservative values, uh, but. Um, for for me, freedom is not doing what the state wants me to do. So that's that's right. pretty much it. Like, I I you know, and um, uh, there there was a quote that said something about um, uh, oh my gosh, my brain's not working at all. But when um, um, you know, the only thing that takes for evil to succeed is for uh good men to do nothing or something like yep. that yep okay yeah um and, and now what people are doing is actually paying for those things that they don't want so uh it's it's, it's gone beyond and, th- and this is the to me the, the the failure of of the state is um you, you don't get a say and well i guess that's what the you know tax revolt was about like uh, you know no no taxation without representation but but does anybody actually believe these politicians represents them in any way it's ridiculous <laughs> yeah and what you know <laughs> my, my biggest objection for that is like what about all these fucking teenagers that are below the voting age but are having their uh their, their paychecks beha- with withholding from their paychecks yeah that right. only happens for a little while i'm not, i yeah screw them but well, okay <laughs> You know, that's like the initiation period. Like you get to you get to pay for all this stuff that you don't want, and and you don't have any say whatsoever. It's like that should piss you off enough that when you actually get a say, that you actually do something about it. Okay, but but actually, no, you never get a say. It just it's just you know. Well, you get a vote. You just don't get a say. Right? Yeah, yeah. They've they've been withholding thirty percent of my paycheck for four years. Yeah, it it, it it and it ceases to matter even after you know you you get to vote. It doesn't still doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I just think that's like the prime example of taxation without representation, because they're not even allowed to vote and they're taxed anyway, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's basically what I'm saying is that that we're we've been in a situation that, um, instead of just not doing anything about evil, um, people are paying for it. Paying for the evil. I don't. I don't know if they're if they're glad about it, or, you know, happily paying their taxes, or just paying their taxes just because that's well, that's just what people do, and that's what they're expected, and 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 uh, you know, they just don't want to rock the boat. Um, yeah. But that's how you get to really bad situations, and. And, uh, and that, you know, I don't know if this recession is going to turn a lot worse, but, you know, uh, stuff increasing in prices. We talked about that pre-show a little bit, you know, inflation. Um, yeah. You know, it, it could get really bad. And why does it get really bad? Well, because we let evil people take control of uh, our lives. And, and, you know, that's what happened in Venezuela. 
and you know hopefully we don't go as far as eating eating zoo animals but uh it could happen yeah and i i i know i remain in the minority on this right but i you know personally i am not creative enough or my imagination is not strong enough to see a ultimately non-violent way out of it um and I have my reasons. We can, can share them if you want, um, but it's you know the 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 cycle of voting for one side, then voting for the other side, and making it worse. Right? Doesn't it? It's in the state's favor to perpetuate the myth, right? That you can that you can make a change nonviolently. Right? No, no, you don't like the politicians? Just vote them out in four years, right? Well. You know, a few cycles of that, and like half your life is gone. You know, who's got that kind of time? You know, the the, the again taking it back to the Free State Project is supposed to be like liberty in our lifetime, right? But every everything is on like a two to four year cycle, right? Okay, we got you know we're not going to get anything done this two years, so we got to wait two years, and then we'll see. Maybe in two years we can make something happen, right? And then two years becomes four years, becomes six years, becomes whatever. Um, and then you see like incremental changes or uh, because a lot of the people who do get elected locally uh, want to retain their political capital, right? It's stemming the tide, right? Well, at least it's not getting worse, right? New Hampshire is one of the places where it's not getting worse. You know, it might not get much better, but it's not going to get a lot worse. We're still number one, you know, kind of a, kind of a mentality. I just... I, when, it comes, when it comes to the human condition, um, I've said it before, I'll reiterate it briefly here, right? Like violence is the ultimate solution. And what we do as civilized people is try to resolve our issues before we get to the violence. And the problem in dealing with the state is they are inherently based on violent solutions. And they have bigger, better guns, right? And they continue to disarm the population incrementally so to make it harder to stand up to that violence. And the only reason they don't have to use that violence overtly is because they have convinced people that they can make a difference without getting to that point. And the moment people realize that they're going to have to fight their way back to freedom, then the state will crush them with overwhelming violence, um, just to maintain that status quo. And they'll do so because by, that time, by the time it gets to that, uh, the population will be so disarmed that it'll be, it will make mounting a violent resistance nearly impossible like it's been made in, in other countries. Right? Uh, Americans make fun of all the other countries with, with you know, gun laws and gun restrictions. Like, oh, hey, how's it going, Australia? Right? Australia you know, the two posts, like, Australia bans all the guns. And then it's like, oh, yeah, in Australia, you could get 10 years in jail for, you know, uh, uh, a tweet, right? If they don't like your tweet, like, okay, well, that's, we, we can see where, that, where that's going, mm-hmm. right? And so we get a couple of good Supreme Court decisions on, you know, on the, on the gun issue. Um, but then at the state level, you're, you know, they're, they're looking for ways, and even at the federal level, they're looking for ways to subvert that, right? I saw, I didn't read the article, but I saw a headline today that says, well, you know, how do you, how do you ban all the guns? Uh, well, you ban the assault guns, right? And then you just find a way to, you know, jury rig the definition to, so that assault guns includes basically all guns. And so there's, you know, some legislation in the House right now that is basically doing just that. Or in the Senate, I forget how that works. Uh, but it basically yeah, like redefines a, all handguns. An, another tenet of, of, of less leftism is, is uh, redefining words. Yes, but it works. Carbon dioxide is a pollutant. Yeah. Of course it is. <laughs> what? <laughs> of course it is. To them. Yeah. And, and again, you know, the, you, you go down to the conspiracy theory, right? And it's, well, if carbon dioxide is a pollutant, what they really want to control is your ability to breathe, which means they want to control your life. Because when you exhale, because when you exhale, that's what comes out. And if you exhale pollutants... Right, then you are inherently bad and evil or detrimental, you know, to the to the to the earth, to Mother Earth or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they redefine it 
And then guess what? Now they control your breathing, right? They, you know, it, 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 it happens everywhere. And America has thus far been the unique case where it's not as easy because of the gun situation as, as I just noted. Um, but the further they tear away at that, the further they tear away at that and the further they change the mentality of the people, um, you know, the, 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 the worse it's going to get. I saw another, another like little snippet on Reddit today and it's, you know, it was, uh, the gun versus the carry, the carry versus the non carry situation. Right. And the, the, the point of the, the little snippet was basically like people who don't carry firearms regularly, um, see the world as less of a threat because they're not going to be able to use the guns. So they just, you know, the, the people who carry the guns are always looking for a threat, right? They're like, you know, situational awareness, what's going on around me. You know, I might need to use this thing. Mm-hmm. And the people who don't carry just, they don't, they, their mind doesn't even go there because they're, they're helpless. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think it's because they're helpless. It's because it's it's just not it's not helpful to to be that way. Um, well, but yeah, but it, it, by it, default it, they're it, helpless because if if a situation does arise, they are ill prepared to deal with it. Yeah, but the way the way people are is uh, they're 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 worried about basically what everybody else is worried about. And so if the big threat is climate change, they're not really worried about people, you know, with, with a gun. And uh, even in recently with, uh, uh, you know, mass shootings and stuff, it's like, are they, are they really worried about mass shootings? Well, if they were, they'd go out and get a gun. <laughs> you know, they're not really worried about yeah. it. They just, they just pretend to be. Well, yet, yes and no, because, you know, gun ownership has, you know, gun purchases and gun ownership has gone up. Uh, I used to watch a YouTube channel. I don't know. I, I always hear that. It's, it's, it's ever since I've been alive, it's always going up. So are, when are we to the point where everybody's got a gun? Because <laughs> people are buying more than one. So I don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, gun ownership isn't going up because you can't, you know, a gun owner, once he has one gun, is a gun owner. So Okay. So. I, I don't remember the, the, the YouTube channel. Um, there's a YouTube channel out there who they do a, like a weekly show. And at some point, the, um, the, AT, the, the, you know, the AFT or whatever, or the FBI, um, releases their statistics for the month. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, the, this is how many people applied for um, a background check this month. And 2002. 2020 and i think some most part of 2021 is kind of like when i was more heavily watching this youtube channel Mm -hmm. like year month over month there was a significant increase and these were like millions of applications uh month after month there was an increase like peaked in june of one of those years but year over like january from one year to the next year in some cases were like double like january 2019 it was like, you know, 2 million applications filled out. And January 2020, it was like 4 million or 5 million applications filled out. You know, of people getting background checks for new firearm purchases. Mm-hmm. So, and, the, you know, and the manufacturers were in short supply. Like, you know, I, re- I remember when I was looking to make my first purchase, I found a friend here who was, you know, a gun enthusiast. So I went and talked to him. I'm like, okay, dude, like, I don't want to be, you know, the ignorant asshole that walks into a gun store and does something wrong. So, like, come with me. And I think we did it on a Saturday because I think it was a Saturday. I went, hey, we're going to do this show late because I've got, you know, other things to do. And so we went down to, like, the biggest gun shop in the area around here. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're looking around and he's showing me some things. He's like, well, you know, this this used to be, you know, on the on the wall over here. It used to be where they had, like, all the AR-15s. And I... Mm-hmm. I don't know where they have them now. It's like, <laughs> dude, cause they're sold out, you know, like <laughs> this is what we know there. He's like, yeah, you're probably right. You know, it's like, so it was for a while there. I don't, again, I stopped watching that YouTube channel, but for a while there, it was the, the gun ownership or at least the applications and background checks were up significantly. And, you know, in a lot of areas it was up significantly for females and for minorities, which makes sense. Um, but even, you know, so, so those things have gone up because it's a, it's 
unfortunately like a fear-based thing. And I'm, I was in that category, right? I said like, I'd, you know, food shortages, riots in the streets. I know we're fairly safe in New Hampshire, uh, but I talked to someone else and he goes like, well, my experience elsewhere where these things go down is everything's fine until it's not. And then it goes down very quickly, right? Like, you know, the, the descent into chaos is not a, is, is not an incremental thing. It's like, everything's good. And then fucking chaos in the streets. And you, you know, you have to be prepared way in advance. So I went, okay, I, I, I can see it coming. Let me get prepared now. And that's when I started, you know, that little mini journey. Um, but even according, you know, even in this article, we just covered it, right? There's a full third of American adults, you know, is worried about these type of things. Yeah. I'd be pretty jumpy if I heard, this is a quote from the area. I'd be pretty jumpy if I heard it sound like gunfire at a concert. But this worry they share with a full third of American adults has literally never crossed my mind. So there's, you know, 30% plus of people who are worried about, you know, gunfire at concerts type of thing. Like people, you know, it's, it's fear driven, but it's there. Now, whether or not they purchase firearms because of that is, you know, is, is kind of up in the air, right? Like, you know, I, I know that my dad is likely never going to own a firearm, right? He's old at this point, made it through his whole life without it, never thought he needed it, doesn't even like the darn things, didn't even like me having the toys as a kid, just completely not his thing, right? But I also remember talking to him, you know, when I, when I was first started the anarchist journey, Right? I said, why do you even pay taxes? He's like, because I don't want to go to jail. I'm like, okay, legitimate fear, right? You, you comply because you, you fear the consequences of not complying, right? And I go like, isn't there, isn't there anything that you want to do that, you know, you're, you're legally prohibited from doing? He's like, no, everything I want to do is lawful, right? I Well, that's probably bullshit, there's not one thing, not one law you want to break, none at all. I'm not talking about like the big ones, you know, like murder and, you know, rape and kidnapping or whatever, but come on, there's, there's got to be something that annoys you, right? The speed limit coming down your hills, like 25. You don't, you don't think that should be like 35 at least? Come on, kind of a thing. But it was fear-based, right? It was, it was fear-based and without the, without the, without violent means, Right, you subjugate yourself to those who are willing to use violent means, and it's always going to be like that when it comes to the state because they're 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 an agency of violence, and that that's their go-to uh, when you know as as I don't even want to call it a last resort. That's their go-to whenever they are you know peeved a little bit, right? You upset the state, and boom, you know, out come the enforcers. I watched a, a video and there's a dude who's like, you know, getting a speeding ticket and the sheriff like ordered him out of his car and he protested like, you know, why do I have to get out of my car? And Debbie's like, cause I said so I can, I can lawfully remove anyone from their vehicle. You know, as I want, as, as a matter of law, he's like, I was going like 40, you know, 50 and a 45 or 60 and a 55. He's like, well, it's actually a 45 and you know, so get out of the car. And the deputy like goes like, if you don't get out of the car, I'm a pepper spray you. And then the deputy like pulls out the pepper spray. Are you getting out of the car? He's like, No, I just. I, why are you escalating this, officer? You know. And the deputy like pulls the thing out and like starts to pepper spray the guy, but he's out of pepper spray. Like his canister doesn't go off. And he goes, Well, you got lucky that I'm out, right? You got you got lucky, sir, but you're still getting out of the car, right? <laughs> for a simple for a speeding ticket, right? Hands on the wheel. Let me, you know, license and registration. Let me write you this ticket. But this particular asshole officer, right, wanted to escalate the situation. Why? Because that, because his role as an enforcer allows him to do so. And then at one point, like when he ran out of pepper spray, he put, had his taser out and, like, you know, ready to tase the dude. He's like, do you really think a taser is like, and the dude was calm, wrong, but calm. Um, do you really think a taser is necessary in this situation? Like, well, I've, I've ordered you out of the car. And you're not getting out of the car. Like backup arrives, and the officer like looks over to his partner and goes like, Hey, you got any pepper spray on you? I'm all out. Like, we are gonna get this dude. You know? Mm. Sergeant is here. You know, the officer's like, Well, you know what's going on? He's like, Don't don't you wanna know what's going on before you start? He's like, Well, he ordered you out of the car, sir, and it's your best interest to just get out of the vehicle. Right? You you at this you have you are going to jail at this point. 
we can we cannot go back. We are not walking this back in any way, shape, or form. Right? You you were ordered to get out of the car. You could have gotten out of the car. You know, had the illegal search or whatever, uh, whether you consented to it or not, whatever. Um, gotten your ticket and went on the way, but you refused to comply. And so now we, the state agents, are going to escalate this further, right? But, but by the attempted pepper spraying, the, you know, the finger on the trigger of the taser, the removal of the vehicle, and the taking you off to jail. Why? Going, you know, allegedly 60 in a 45. Heaven forbid, right? Hmm. And that's what they'll do. That's, that is what state agents will do. Whether or not you were in the right or in the wrong, right, that's, that's the role of the state, is to escalate to the violence if you are not compliant. And they will always do that, you know, with passive or peaceful resistance because that's what they have, and they've gotten away with it for so long. And so my contention has always been they need to know that they have stake in the game as well, and until there's actual resistance, right, like uh, the, the, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of the targets, of the the BLM protests or whatever those riots were, you know, the mm-hmm. you know, all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did like it when they decided to like, they were going to firebomb a police station and the police evacuated and there were no cops in the area <laughs> for a while, right? Yeah, like all funny. all of a sudden the cops knew that holy shit, I might you know I might die today, you know, and they retreated. Um, I don't like school massacres either. Right, but all the news coming out of, of how the Uvalde cops acted in that situation, right? All of it, one guy, right? They they were in there, they were through the door, rifles in hand, shields, ballistic shields in hand, and you had one shooter, right? One one FBI CIA planted shooter uh, massacring children in the school. And what was the response of the cops who all of a sudden had to put their lives on the line? Ah, you think this thing got some hand sanitizer? I'm just I just want to wash my hands before we step back out and reassess what's going on. <laughs> right? They won't act when their life is on the line. And so if you want if you you know, if you want to if you want to let the state know that we're not going to take it anymore, uh, that's that's the level that it needs to be escalated to. They have to know that they have stake in the game. It's amazing. Um, the, the conservative genuine that doesn't like uh, butt sex in the park um, has a hashtag on some signs around town. And the hashtag is like hashtag F-A-F-O. I'm like, oh, man, F-A-F-O. Like, what, is, what is that? He's like, fuck around and find out. You know, we need to let these people know that if they fuck around, they're going to find out. Uh, but he, if they do, if they do butt sex in the park, are they going to find out? Yeah, they might find out. <laughs> but the thing is, like this particular conservative gentleman is also anti-violence, right? Protest at the governor's house, speak at the city council meeting, you know, vote harder next election. Let's run some candidates, right? But violence, no. He despises, you know, the the violence in waiting people. And he's like, I, I hate those that won't, that won't go to a city council meeting, but say that they'll show up with the rifle when it's time for the shooting. Right? <laughs> like if you're not, if you're not going to vote, you're definitely not going to fire that rifle. I go, no, you, pr- you probably would like, you know, cause you're past that point of voting, right? Like I don't, I don't need to go to city council meetings to know that it's ineffective, right? Just wake me up when we're, wake me up when we're ready for the real revolution. I'll be, I'll, I'll be there and wait, ready for that. Until then, uh, you're spinning your wheels, wasting your time. I'm not going to waste my time. I'm going to, you know, get my shit together, build some wealth as best I can, and, and, and see what happens uh, when the time comes. But the, the irony is, right, what's, who's going to find what out, right? His whole thing is like, you know, fuck around and find out. You know, it's, it's, it's in my opinion, an obvious intimidation tactic. Right, mm-hmm. you don't you don't say that peacefully. You don't say, "Well, fuck around and find out." We're gonna what are we gonna get? Oh, let's find out. All we gotta do is fuck around. And then no, it's 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 an obvious intimidation thing to get people to back off. Right, like one of the, one of the things that bothered me uh, in Hawaii is like for at some point before I you know a few years before I left, there was the you know the defend Hawaii 
Are you familiar with this brand? Have you seen mm-hmm. this around town? Yeah. It says, like, Defend Hawaii. They got the black rifle, the picture of the AR. And I got excited. I'm like, who is this group, you know, that's mm-hmm. finally willing to do something? Eh, it's, it's a T-shirt company. They're just they're mm-hmm. selling a brand. And they, they ain't got shit. They ain't got <laughs> shit. They ain't got shit. They won't do shit. You know, they're, they are not who you need to be concerned with. Uh, similarly here, you know, the hashtag FAFO people, if the only thing they're going to find out is who you're running at the next election, right, I don't <laughs> think they're going to be overly concerned about it, right? Mm. They're, they're going to find out how good libertarians are at losing elections, and they already know that. So we'll see. Fuck, her. Fuck around and find out. No, that, that in itself, you know, is an intimidation, and the find out is supposed to be the violence, right? That's the thing. Right. If, if someone's like, you know, accosting you at a bar and getting up in your face and you go like, fuck around and find out. And they go like, what are you going to do about it? Right. You punch them in the face. Like that's the find out part. They have, the, they have fucked around and now they're finding out it's the violence. So it's, it's an odd dichotomy for me uh, to, to have that hashtag, uh, you know, be, be, be positioned as a nonviolent it's totally violent. It's, the, the violence is there. It's the, it's the violent inherent in the hashtag uh, for whatever. All right. Any other thoughts on that? Lefties and righties? No. Nope. <laughs> violence inherent in the system. All right. Let's do this one then because this one is short um, and dumb. And then if we have time for one more, we can get one more squeezed in there. French streetlights will be turned off at night. In response to energy crisis, <clears throat> there's not much more beyond the headline, but let's just read. Uh, despite claiming that France has little dependence on Russian gas, President Macron announced that public lighting would be turned off at night to save energy. Macron made the comments during a televised in- interview to commemorate Bastille Day, asserting that the summer, early autumn will be very hard for French people due to the war in Ukraine. <clears throat> Macron said that a total cutoff of Russian gas was looking very likely. In response, French citizens are being told to engage in energy sobriety and prepare for even higher food prices as Macron announced public lighting will be turned off at night in some places. From now on, I will ask public bodies and all companies that can to consume less, said Macron. We will create a program to try to use lighting less in the evenings. We are launching a load of load reduction and sobriety program. We have to prepare for a scenario in which we have to give up Russian gas completely, he added. Despite these rather drastic pronouncements, the French president still insisted that France has little dependence on Russian gas. He also claimed that the energy crisis wasn't caused by sanctions on Russia because energy prices started to rise even before the war. We must all prepare for the fact that the war will last. The summer and the beginning of autumn will probably be very tough, said Macron. As we previously highlighted, the crisis is also being felt keenly in Germany, where citizens are busy stockpiling firewood as they're told to take fewer showers, drive less, and deal with freezing temperatures by wearing more layers of clothing. Uh, Cities across Germany are also planning to use sports arenas and exhibition halls as warm-up spaces this winter to help chilly citizens who are unable to afford skyrocketing energy costs. Still, at least they support the current thing. Maybe that will help keep them warm. Uh, End of the article. So a short one. Um, Maybe it's just me, but any thoughts on this? Anything jump out at you what's uh, wrong no. with this situation <laughs> i'll MC. go for it <laughs> okay uh the lights are on at night because that's when you need the fucking lights on <laughs> you can see during the day jackass right if you want them if you want to move about town at night there's no sun and so we've invented light and that's what yeah, we turn well. on when it's dark so we can see as if it were daytime you don't need to do that, and there's proof of that. You know, they shut everything down after uh, 10 p.m. because of COVID. Uh, so um, people don't need to to move around at night. We just tell them not to for their own safety. Well, they're not going to be able to because you've turned the fucking lights off. You don't even at that point, right? All the all the lighting infrastructure can be removed. Right? There's a jobs project for you. Just remove it all. Who needs lights in your city if they're going to be turned off at night when the lights are needed most? I read the headline. It's like, this is the 
dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Well, <laughs> one of the dumbest things. I'm sure there's more shutting, dumb things. Sh- shutting da- Germany shutting down their nuclear power plants is probably dumber, but. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Let's spend billions of dollars building these things <laughs> and then, and then shut them down because the oil companies want us to <laughs> because uh, we need wind and solar. Yeah. I guess the, you know, the, the similar thing here in the States, uh, the California grid, right? Everyone needs to be driving, you know, the, if, you, if you can't afford gas, buy an electric vehicle, uh, but don't charge it during peak hours because you're overload the electrical grid and the infrastructure can't take it. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good one. How dumb is this? This is, I, I waffle back and forth because, you know, some of this stuff, like it affects me, but it doesn't concern me. Yeah. Uh, well, and I'm, what was the quote? Never underestimate people, uh, the stupidity of people in groups. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, you know, I, I seen a statistic somewhere. It's like less, you know, less than two percent, or like two point five percent, or something like that, of of the cars on the road are electric, right? And mm-hmm. that percent is already overwhelming the grid. Right, mm-hmm. and they want to increase that. More electric, electric is the way of the future, and yet the infrastructure is not in place. The grid already can't handle the two and a half percent that's already there, but yet here we go. Right, we can't survive without Russian gas, so we're going to turn the lights off at night. That'll show the Ruskies. Yeah, it'll be even better when they outlaw air conditioning because, well, we just can't handle it. They try. Like, I don't know if they outlaw it, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things, right? They want, they want people to, to cut back on those things, you know, during, during the peak hours, right? Now, I, I, I put an AC in my apartment here because it's, it's fucking hot, and I, I knew. I bought my AC, like, you know, in early spring when it went on sale because I, it was already getting too hot for me. Like, I, I, I moved to a cold climate. I like the cold climate. I don't want to be hot ever for the most part uh, and they're like well you know if you turn it on now like you know in the springtime uh your electric bill is going to skyrocket i go fine i will cut back elsewhere right i you know my, my money is my income my dis- my disposed discretionary spending and if i have to you know eat grade c beef for the summer you know so i can afford having the ac run 24 7 uh, then so be it, because I do not want to be hot. I want to be cool. So they they will be hard pressed. You know, ener- energy prices would have to skyrocket significantly. Like my electric my electric bill here would have to be close to what my mom's electric bill in Hawaii was for me to even contemplate turning off my AC when I'm home during the summer. Mm-hmm. Forget about it. I think I think my electric bill, you know, last month. You know, was somewhere around ninety or a hundred bucks for an apartment where my computer stays on all the time. You know, I watch. You know, when I'm when I'm home, the TV's usually on, some form of fashion, and the AC's cranked. Right? I go like I can. You know, at this point in my life, I can afford it, and I'm not going to sweat it because I'm not going to sweat at all. So to tell me that you know I got to cut back on the air conditioner usage or you know, on on anything else, I go. Oh, but the electrical grid can't handle it. We'll figure it out. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm yeah. I'm doing my I'm making my own assessment based on my income and my lifestyle choices. Right, you do the same. I'm not going to harsh anybody else who has a fan or anything else like that. Uh, but that's that's one of those things where let the market decide. Right, if if your if your grid is that overloaded, California. Well, guess what? You've got a lot of rich people. Right. Raise their rates. Let them cut back. Right. Raise the rates to the point where they're like, well, maybe we can't do this all that much anymore. And then you can have the discussion on price gouging and how that's bad. And then you just have an energy shortage. and Nobody can charge their Teslas clamoring for gasoline again. Whatever. Final thoughts. Uh, No. All right. Let's wrap it there. Then you guys know where to find us anarchistexperience.com on telegram t.me slash anarchist experience or t.me slash the anarchist experience and if you would like to contribute to this show financially 
you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash The Anarchist Experience. Thank you very much for listening. I will talk to you all next week. Peace.